Welcome to another episode of the Metaverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 45. Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast, where it's all about the business side of gaming and how to take your local game store to the next level of success. Whether you're a gamer with aspirations of owning your own store or an entrepreneur who wants to grow their existing business, on this show you'll discover the strategies, tactics, and systems that make the best game stores in North America so successful. The Maniverse Podcast is made possible by listeners and viewers like you. Help support the show and the creation of more, better content by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. As a patron, you get early access to the show before anyone else, shoutouts on upcoming episodes, and access to a weekly Google Hangout with me where you can ask questions about building a game store, creating the podcast, or whatever you like. Patreon.com slash Podcast. Join the Maniverse community by becoming a patron today. Alright guys, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and I have with me, John Covello. Hi guys, okay. I'm the owner of the Little Shop of Magic in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yep, and Wayne Middlestead. How you doing guys? I am uh, Wayne Middlestead, uh, owner of Doing Grounds in Toronto, sorry. <laughs> having an identity crisis yeah, today. Which yeah. store do I own again? Yeah, yeah, Toronto, yeah. Doing Grounds, Doing Grounds. Okay, and uh, yeah, and today we're actually going to be talking about setting up your business plan. Who wants to uh, talk about their business plan experience first? I guess I'll start. I'll start with saying that I, I went about four years into my business without having a business plan. Um, oh, and it's not just, yeah. Well, you know, I had I had no clue um, what it was or why I should have done it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, when we started the business, it started by accident. It was me and my old business partner with some extra singles because we didn't know what to do with them. And so it was really ad hoc. It wasn't until we're like, oh, maybe we should uh, we should like go look for a loan and expand, right? And when we went looking for a loan, the bank said, so what's your business plan? And we were like, what is that, right? Uh, um, so is it absolutely necessary? Oh, Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. What I recommend it nowadays when somebody comes up to me and goes, hey, John, I want to open up a business store. The first thing I go, okay, so show me your business plan, right? And that's when a lot of people still wake up to that like, a what? A what? What are you talking about? What is that, right? Um, so, so maybe we should talk about like what a formal business plan looks like. Sure, sure. You you want to take that way in real quick? Oh, geez, um, I wouldn't really be the best person to ask what a formal business plan looks like because I haven't done it in over fourteen years. Um, see, I thought I <laughs> I thought I was the guy who started without. Uh, oh no no! Uh, finished the business plan. You're the one who was all prepared. So I thought we had a whole gamut, but um, I mean, my experience was, gosh, I I, um, I took an accounting course, I took an intro to business course, and then I took up uh, a, and that was at a school, and then I went to, uh, took a private uh, course uh, for s startup businesses specifically marketed to entrepreneurs, and that was actually the the best course I took, um, and. Uh, in that startup business course, um, part of it was obviously to make a business plan. And so I went through the, the motions of a business plan. Um, I didn't finish it. I got uh, a little more than halfway through and uh, already had a good idea of what I wanted to do. I had a lot of confidence in myself and just had this dream and just went for it. 
without doing all the math, without uh, figuring everything out. And, uh, you know, I just got really lucky. Um, I mean, I worked my butt off, sure. but, uh, but also a lot of things just fell into place for me. So I certainly don't recommend starting a business without a business plan, but you can get away without doing one or finishing one. Um, I think the important thing is that you think about your business, what you want to do with it, what you expect from your business and how you expect to achieve that. Um, that's to me, that's one of the more important things, but the, the most, one of the most important things of course is crunching all the numbers and seeing if you can even reach your break even. I mean, your break even is essentially, um, uh, as long as you're making sales to cover all your expenses and to continue buying product and just to stay in business, that's, that's sort of your break even. And if you're not making your break even, you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper into debt until you go out of business or um, you're reaching your break even and uh, hopefully um, rising above that so you can grow your business. And that's another way your business is going to die. If you don't, if you don't grow, you're just going to, you're just going to uh, slowly weather up because you have, you have to have some forward motion. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wish I could give you more information on what a proper business plan, plan structure looks like. So I would say there really isn't – I've seen a lot of different business plans, and I can't say that there's one template that works for everything, right? So I, I tend to – you're right on a lot of things of what you said, which is like you got lucky. You you worked your butt off by all means. I understand that. But I also got lucky. Right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I worked my butt off. I was going to college. I, I was working seven days a week, five days at my primary job, two days at the store, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Um, but it was a different time. It was 1994 and, and magic was like becoming this thing. Right? Um, nowadays, you have a lot more competitors. You have a lot more professional competitors. It's not that same market. So. Um, I guess the big thing with the business plan would be there, there's two types of business kind of plans. One's the one that I, I call the wake up call that you're doing for yourself. Even if you're not looking for money from a bank, right? Um, you 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 do this business plan to, like Wayne said, sort of put the numbers together and start getting an idea of what it's going to take for you to to stay alive. And it, the break even point is great. It's a great place to be. Um, most businesses sort of plan on sort of losing money in the first year, maybe the first couple of years. But eventually, your cash reserves get eaten up, and you have to have this break point. And like you said, Wayne, one of the problems with the break point, if anything changes in that equation, you have and you don't have growth, you don't have a buffer to kind of rely on. So that sort of business plan, whether it's internal, what you put in it is really up to you. But the important thing there with that one is to make sure that you have some realistic expectations of what you're going to make. Are you going to live off this business? Are you going to um, try to make a partner happy too? Do you have investors? It may not be a bank that still need to be paid off and those need to be factored into this thing. the reality is when you start crunching those hard numbers, uh, some of the things, um, I think we lost Wayne. But, um, it's okay. Some of, the things that, back in. Yeah, some of the things that come up to light then, it's like, whoa, this is not anywhere close to what I thought it was going to be. Um, and then there's the other one, where, which is basically a sales pitch. If you, are, if you are going to the bank and you are asking the bank to give you money, they're going to want to know what's their likelihood of getting that money back and that becomes literally a sales pitch so you you have certain things that um, you know you need to put in there to literally convince these people to invest in your business um, and those are a little bit different but we can 
we can go over what I put in mind um, and what I see the difference between the two. Um, but um, again, I don't think there's a template that works for everything. Right? It really depends on what you're trying to do with that business plan. Should you do it? Absolutely. Whether you're seeking money from somebody else or not, you should always do a business plan. Yeah, at least something, some basic uh, structured thing to establish what your goals are and what you want out of it. Yeah, but uh, and, and as as Wayne pointed out too, it, it's not that uncommon for businesses in this industry to start off without even knowing what one is or, or how to do it. And I am remiss; we did our last business because I, I tend to renew it every year just to polish it off, see if anything needs to be changed and modified, uh, where we're going, what we're trying to add to the store, um, and. Last time I did it was about a year and a half ago when we started looking at, okay, Lisa's coming up, we're going to expand, what are we doing, right? And now I got so busy, I got so, Archimedes, now I got so busy that literally I didn't have a chance to get to it. Excuse me for one minute, I'll go take care of him and I'll be right back. Wayne, you want to take over? <laughs> sure, sure. So do you have a business plan in place now, Wayne? Are you planning on doing one? What's, what's the deal? I know you said you went a long time without one, but. Yeah, well, I, I started one. I, I like I, I did like a little more than half halfway through. I, I basically reached a point where I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing, and I don't feel like I have to spend time writing it down on paper. I wasn't because uh, and probably because I wasn't getting a bank loan. Like I didn't need one except for my own purposes, um, and I felt like not knowing any better that I didn't really need one because I thought I had it all figured out. Um, but that being said. Um, I have I have gone back and looked at what I'd written and, and and reflected on that and and updated a few things over the years, but haven't really rewritten my business plan. Um, it's something uh, that I um, will probably be doing in the near future, um, just because I'm sort of. I'm sort of back at a place where I feel like um, I'm starting again. Like I have um, because of my recent. Uh, a uh, kidney transplant and has given me this crazy amount of energy and motivation. Um, I really feel a lot like uh, I did when I first opened 13 years ago. So, um, you know, with this energy and motivation, um, I do certainly need to <laughs> direct that. And I've been jotting notes notes furiously in my notebook. Um, that's not a business plan, but it's, uh, it's definitely sort of moving towards that process. Um, so... And and I, I don't know if if you really have to follow like you were saying uh, a strict specific structure. I mean, you can find lots of templates online for what business plans are, but you know you don't necessarily need to um, tackle every one of those subjects. Um, like marketing strategies, for example, I you know I'm already doing pretty much all I can do market wise, uh, marketing wise. Um, operations and management plan, you know, I've, I've got that pretty much, uh, that's, that's kind of like what I've been writing in my notebook recently, um, you know, uh, re-evaluating what my day-to-day -day duties are, um, seeing what I can delegate more to my employees and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess you could say I'm in the process of writing a business plan, um, haven't formally begun, but definitely have a lot of notes over the past few weeks. So I look forward to you know articulating that properly in a business plan and uh, taking a good look at it. So and you and you said that your notes are not a business plan. In a sense, they are. They're well, yeah. Plan to you, right? Yeah. Um, I think the difficulty you run into is obviously if you're using that to obtain a loan, that's not going to work. 
No. <laughs> no. Right. And, and the other yeah. thing that doesn't work really well at, especially with my handwriting, is conveying your message to your employees. And that's another reason why I feel a business plan is important. Um, if you have employees on staff, and I really consider um, my management team especially part of uh, me. They literally, we, we make decisions together. Um, they're smarter than I am, they're younger than I am, they have better ideas than I do, right? In general, um, I, I, I think they put more into the business than I do at this point. I'm the old grouchy guy set in his ways, right? And they come up with the cool new ideas. So the, the difficulty there though is I'm still the guy that in the end has to sign that check for that project or for their payroll. So I need to convey my vision one way or the other. And the business plan, when, I, when I'm revising and updating it, like uh, there's a lot of confusion right now. What are we putting into the cafe? What are we doing with the new store, resort rooms, et cetera, et cetera? Because I haven't put it down on paper. And we keep like, you know, we use like Asana and other team uh, tools to, to sort of share ideas. But when it's formalized and it's something like that, you can literally have a kind of reference guide and a blueprint for where you're going and what you're doing. So I would say that's even if, you're, if you have staff, it's important to have it. And, and a lot of people go back and forth to I share that with my staff. I think with your management team at the very least, uh, yes, uh, you should. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I have, I, you know, I have a much smaller business than you, right? It's, uh, it's me and then a few part-time guys. I do pretty sure. much all the, the heavy lifting as far as running the business. Um, again, not to take anything away from my employees because they work damn hard and they're really good. Um, but you know, I, I do most of the management, I do all the buying, I do all the payroll, I do all the marketing, um, I do almost all the uh, event planning. Uh, so, um, and what I do uh, to make sure communication is clear with my employees uh, is um, I do a weekly employee memo. So every week I have a list of things I want to talk about, make sure we're on the same page, you know, it might list new releases, yada yada. Um, so in that in that respect, I am making sure we do have a common vision, overall vision. Um, you know, that's that's really you know that's that's my job, and that's what I'm doing. So I don't you know they know what my overall vision is just because it is a small company, and and they they know that I want to be uh, the more casual shop. Um, and, and whatnot. So um, I think we're, because we're a small, close-knit uh, shop, that, uh, that's mostly understood. Sure. With the employee memos, that makes sure that we're all on the same page. So it's back to that. One size doesn't fit all. It really depends on what you're trying to do with your business. But uh, at the base gist, though, it is it is important to put the stuff on paper, even if just for you, right? Um, mm -hmm. So if we wanted to talk about what you put in your business plan, it, it, again, are you making that wake-up call business plan, which is your, um, I want to get into this and I have no idea what I'm doing and can I do this, right? That's going to look way different than something that's like, look, I'm going to get into this and I need a $100,000 loan from the bank, right? Um, so yeah. mine started initially with like a cover page, right? And it's still there because it hasn't changed. Um, and, but a cover page really is just literally hey, this is how you get a hold of me. If you have any questions, if you, and it's amazing how many people don't even think about it. It's, it's stupid, it's simple, it's one page with like, here's who I am, here's where you can get a hold of me. If the investor at the bank has to go digging for that in the document, you're just lessening your chance of them even bothering with it, right? Um, the second thing I put in there, and, and I think this is important either way, is like a summary, an executive summary of just like, what are you going to, um, how is your business going to be successful, right? Just really short and simple. 
what makes you different than your competitors? Why are you going to make money doing this and somebody else hasn't already done it, right? Because um, that, for me, for my plan, is a, is a back to the core values, what makes us different than our competitors, how we better or we position ourselves in a market that's not so um, saturated kind of situation. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're looking at an investor, that second page, if you can't grab them at that second page, you pretty much lost them, in my opinion, right? So it's kind of like, a, if you think of it as a resume, right? You need something at the beginning that is not like your curriculum vitae and not the, like, this is why I'm special, this is why you should hire me. And it goes the same way with the, with that business plan, so. Um, yeah. Well, it generally starts with a summary, right? I mean, they call yeah. it an executive summary, but you just summarize which, uh, what you want the reader to know all about you, right. um, what your desires are. I mean, uh, a lot of times people kind of bury that part way back in the business plan, and it's like that's the part you have to really have up front. Like, this is what we're all about, and this is what I want to do, and this is uh, these, these are my goals. Um, and that's usually um, after the summary. That's followed by like a business description, where you get more detailed into what your business is all about. Um, and then, then you can get into your, your marketing strategies, um, analysis of all your competitors, um, your, your development plan, uh, your management plan. Um, again, like that, the management plan, I don't know, that doesn't feel like it. Operations and management doesn't seem to, to fit me because I am <laughs> operations and management. Um, sure. so. Uh, That's really for later that, on, right? That, that being said, though, too, like I said, I am, I am uh, with the, the note taking I've been taking the uh, past few weeks. I have been laying out, you know, breaking down what I should be doing through each day, um, Monday to Friday, and um, that's actually really helped to refocus uh, myself on my business. So it's even if you're, you know, what you're supposed to do, just writing it all down um, and breaking it down um, throughout uh, your week. Um, it really helps you focus for sure, and, 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 and you might catch some things like, oh wait, I should be, I should be like one of the things I realized. I'm like, you know, I should be talking to my suppliers Monday, Tuesday, and getting those shipments out instead of, and so they arrive Wednesday at the latest, Wednesday, Thursday, instead of like, you know, some weeks. Oh, it doesn't get to me in time for the weekend, which is a disastrous. Mm. Um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. Um, so one of the things I've, 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 I've heard is that entrepreneurs tend to have a tendency to get easily bored, right? We, we, we get the new shiny on our desk and that's what we pursue. So the, the good thing about a business plan or a general plan of action for yourself, even if it's just for you, is that you stay on track. You're like, oh yeah, I want to look at, I don't know, making YouTube videos. That sounds great, but you forget to do your orders today uh, and you're not going to come into the weekend and forget that yeah. that's a busy time, right? So it's a useful tool for not getting lost in that sense. So even if you're just yeah. doing it for yourself, by all means, tell yourself, hey, what's your job? Um, I had a different challenge, which was as I tried to separate myself from the business because, you know, I can't do it all. And I'm now looking at the the bigger pictures like, you know, go talk to the food um uh, administrator, the, the health district, and all this good stuff. What's my role? Like, what do I do at the store? Like, why am I important at the store? Why don't I just fire myself and let them run it, right? Um, and, and when you sit down and you look at it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, they can't do payroll, they can't do this, right? So you do farm that out, and, and that's also another good thing that the business plan can do: identify the things that are like, why are you still doing this versus like your business manager can do this, and she's got time to do it, or. In our case, she never has time because she's always working way late. Anyways, but um, 
yeah, I mean, it's essential. I think even if it is just for you to lay out what your what your um, role is, and, and it, if it is all you, you're the accountant, you're the it, but you put those under your hat. They're specified. You know you got to do payroll. You know you got to do ordering. Uh, it's yeah. good to have it in there to keep you yourself on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and just uh, on a personal, I think the most important part of the business plan, especially if uh, we're talking somebody who has not started yet, like this is you know not not like you guys were like you kind of rolled into it and then okay let's work out a plan a couple of years into it, <laughs> which is fine, fine. But uh, for somebody who's not like even touched the business, they're like oh this is an, still in the idea phase and this is something that they want to do. I think the most important point is to really get the right numbers and just make sure you can do it. Cause like there's, there's a big difference between, you know, when you actually crunch what your margins are going to be and like how much you're going to make. And at that point, you're also kind of just guessing a lot of what your, what your sales are going to look like, but you have to know, you know, like really just getting the idea of how much you have to sell every single day to cover all your costs based off and like really having an understanding of like what your rent is going to be, what your bills are going to be, what your, you know, if you're going to have employees, how much they're going to cost, how much are you going to pay yourself? Like just breaking all that down, getting the spreadsheet out and then doing it all will really give you a, uh, like an eye opener. You'll be like, Oh, this is ex- like when you actually see all the numbers at one in one space, you're like, Oh, there's actually a lot more to, uh, to running a business than you'd think. Just being like, oh, yeah, I just it's want to sell just some cards, right? Some folding tables, some chairs, and, and you're in business. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't, it really, so part of the business plan is to look at your competitors and your markets, right? Um, that's the market in general, the industry, and also your local market, your local customers, right? Because identifying your customers will tell you a little bit. Um, I don't know, let's just say you're trying to open up uh, like a high-scale cafe and you live in, oh man, I don't want to offend anybody, but a not, not-so-pretty not area, right? Okay. Um, are, are, you, are your customers really there? Are they interested in the 75-cent cup of coffee or do they want to buy the $5 heavy-laden with cream uh, sugar bomb kind of situation, right? So identifying your customers is important, but one of the difficulties, Wayne, is that the uh, there's not any good numbers in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, like, if you went out there, you can do all kinds of marketing. I'm finding it with the food industry, right? If I, I can go find out how much a cafe on average makes, depending on the density of population, blah, blah. For game stores, there is nothing. There is absolutely nothing. And it is huge, huge differences. Um, I can tell you that nowadays, the number of stores that are, it used to be unheard of that a game store would make over a million dollars in sales. And the, when you hear this figure, don't start going like nuts, going, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. It, ain't, it ain't what you put in your pocket, guys. Yeah, um, sales is not profit. Right. But but it's not un, it's not as uncommon to find stores like that. And by that same token, there's a lot of stores that make do with $100,000 of sales a year, right? So what, what you're really shooting for, even though you can't get a good number, how much am I going to make in sales? Because if you think you're going to open up and you're going to make over a million dollars your first year, I don't know, you better put $5 million into that business to start off with because it's, it's about the only way you're going to do it. Um, um, excuse me, today is just, um, pardon me for a second. I mean, if we take a look at our at financial data, that's something I'm continuously doing. I mean, you know, that's part of a business plan, but I'm not revising a business plan per se. I'm just looking at my financials and reviewing them. Um, so even bits and pieces of a business plan are certainly relevant um, while you're running your business, even if you're not revising the whole business plan um, 
once a year or every so often. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just something I discovered this week um, was uh, I was looking at the actual what I was paying my supplier for for D and D books and magic product like stuff that you can get direct from Wizards of the Coast. Yep. And I I noticed that oh my god, these guys are actually charging me ten dollars more per box of magic, which isn't like too too bad, but it's something that adds up. It, it does, but then the the D and D books. Uh, you know, and I always just put them on the shelf because they have the MSRP on the cover for U.S. and Canada, and I just sell them for the Canadian U.S. MSP, um, suggested retail price. Uh, and, uh, like, they're charging $10 more for those. And that's quite a significant uh, bite into my margin uh, when you're selling the book at its advertised price, uh, the MSRP that's written on the book. So, um yeah, that was that was kind of a rude awakening, and I'm like, well, I guess uh, I'm not going to be ordering from that supplier anymore, and I'm going to get it direct from Wizards. And I mean, because uh, I, I don't want to increase the price of my books because my supplier is charging me more. Um, I, you know, because I, I I just I think you should just charge uh, for the most part, unless it's it's uh, a scarcity driven item like uh, Magic's Eternal Masters. Uh, but you know, there's no reason to go above suggested retail price, um, and I'm really against discounting because um, uh, you know that just makes it harder to survive, and you require a much, much larger, exponentially larger uh, cash flow to be able to do that. And uh, I certainly don't have that kind of money, uh, unlike some of the other shops in the uh, in the city. So um, yeah, I mean, very important to keep looking at your financial. Uh, factors, whether they're, you know, what your sales are, what you're paying for product, etc. And, um, you know, that's, that's part of what, uh, looking at my past, uh, my last year, uh, I was like, okay, it's time to give everybody raises. Um, and now as I'm investing in my employees, because I looked at my books, and I'm like, okay, we should be able to afford um, paying everyone more. Um, so that's, that's going through right now. And, um, and I'm also hoping to um, increase sales from even though last year was our best year ever. I want to keep moving forward, and um, it'll be interesting to see. Right now, we're about the same, maybe a little better, and most of the year is still left. So I really think we can beat uh, what we did last year. And and uh, and if we do, um, then I can you know raise wages again the next year. And, and that's and I've told my employees this and and. Uh, so you know that's 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 great motivation for them. For it makes me feel good. Um, uh, makes me feel more confident in my future in the business. And uh, yeah, a bunch of things. But looking at the financials again, something you should be doing fairly often, not just once in a while for a business plan. Even though so, it's a business plan, and that goes back to that revision. Um, you know, if you do a yearly revision of like, hey, I was expecting to make hundred thousand dollars in sales and make one hundred and fifty thousand, right? Great, awesome. Or I was expecting to do one hundred thousand dollars in sales and making fifty. Now, what do I do, right? Um, yeah. So, while it's difficult to get that number, and again, we're all very, very much different. Um, when you go, oh, you know, so and so makes X, um, but so and so has fifteen employees. You have only you, and your chance of making X may not be as good as you think it is, right? Um, what's important about doing that kind of research is at least it's setting your your break even point, like Wayne said, right? What do you really need to survive and stay in business? And then, if you once you 
that gives you a realistic picture of what kind of sales you need to do, right? <coughs> and that might paint a totally different picture than what you had in your head. If you go, oh my God, I need you know $10,000 a month in sales just to stay in business with me, myself, nobody else just to pay the rent, the utilities, and there are so many costs that you don't really think about until um, you get into it. Um, you know, I, a lot of people don't have a concept of what a channel uh, a channel sign costs, right, for your business outside. They, they, they don't realize we're talking thousands, potentially tens of thousands of dollars for a sign. Um, so those kind of things, when you start doing the research and go, hey, I'm going to talk to three sign companies and they're going to give me their quotes and I then have a heart attack and, you know, realize that, oh, my God, I need a lot more money than I budgeted for. I mean, I, I look at some of these Kickstarters sometimes and I'm going – your budget here is literally like the tables. You know what I mean? That's you're, yep. you're shooting for two thousand dollars to open. Okay, what do you? What are you opening is it with? an advertising ploy? Is it you know who knows what they're doing exactly? But yeah, I, I, it's going to be difficult to get actual numbers of what your what companies make for sales in this industry. It's it's really hard. It's not very um, data is not shared, but it, what you should be looking at at least is what number will you need to make your business stay alive for a year, for two years, et cetera, et cetera. And that gives you a number of what you should be making and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the trickier parts too, is that you can't find the data until you really get started, which is what Wayne was saying, is that once you have it, the best data you have is your own shop. Like that's, you, you know, your historical financial data is what you can really work off of for the next year because that's probably going to be the most accurate for you. But just before you get going, there is no... There's no real easy template that you can be like, oh, you know, like you, like John said about the the cafes or a restaurant. You can probably get in data on that from virtually anywhere for any city for any population, and it'll be fairly like you, you know, yeah. Every business is different, but it'll be pretty close, pretty accurate, and you can use that to base your predictions off of or your forecasts. But there's not a lot to do to to go on for the games business, and the best you can really do is hope to. It's probably just over budget. Just put right. way more, like set aside way more than you think. And like, you know, one of the rules of thumbs to just whatever you expect you uh, you need. If you're like, oh, I'm going to need 50,000, it's probably going to be closer to 75. Yeah. Just add 50% and you'll probably do a lot better. Your your odds of success will go up far higher than you think uh, if you just try and scrape by with what you expect <laughs> to need. Right. And, and, and again, it's not like, is it mandatory? Is it going to guarantee success? No. Yeah. In theory, though, what you're trying to do is prevent yourself from making a very costly mistake, okay? And that's, mm-hmm. I got lucky, uh, Wayne got lucky, busted his butt, right? But realistically speaking, by all accounts, I should not have succeeded. I am that store that started literally with some tables, a 300-square-foot store, and a binder of magic singles, right? I understand that was 21 years ago, but it, it really made no sense. It just happened. Um, but at the same token, I can also go buy a lottery ticket and not worry about working if I win, you know what I mean? Um, those odds aren't the greatest, so you're trying to just better your odds. And, and in general, again, you're trying to stop yourself from making a colossal and costly mistake um, that could potentially be life-altering and, and not something you want. So so do you have a, Thomas, uh, Thomas do you have a business plan for your, uh, for my, your business? It's a business, right? For my yeah. thing, mm-hmm. for my thing going on. Uh, I've got a lot of notes like okay. I've I've not decided to like seek money from a bank or anything <laughs> to set anything up. Yeah, it's that's just a good question. Uh, Skype. Uh, yeah, no, I've got probably like 
two notebooks full of ideas and like the way I want things to go and plans, plans, but uh, yeah. nothing of a formal variety. And that's because I don't plan on doing that. Like that's that's what uh, what we were talking about before, right? Like the difference between the business plan for you and the business plan for somebody else. And in the case of trying to get them or trying to convince somebody to invest in you. And uh, I, yeah, I went the other way. Like I've done business plans of like a very thick, you know, 30 pages with the executive summary and gone through that whole process. And I found it useful, but also like it can be really distracting. Like in the sense that that's almost stopping you from doing like the actual work of going out and like finding customers in a business and like yeah. making sales and stuff, right? Like it's almost like a form of procrastination. It's something that you like, I'm working on my business plan. I'm working on it, you know, and then like a year will go by and you could, I think it's a business plan is something that you can do simultaneously to actually actively trying to start something. And like, uh, kind of like the way that John started in the sense that you probably could have been formulating the plan of what you wanted this to turn into at the same time you were making sales. And I think that's part of the reason why you succeeded, you know, despite the odds against what you were doing, like realistically, like that, that kind of an operation today would be hard pressed to, mm -hmm. to make it, but it's not impossible. Like I've, I've known several guys, especially in uh, like the KW Toronto area who have gotten their start as kind of like a backpack dealer right? Like they just, they treated it like a business. They, you know, they set their, uh, their hobby aside and they tried, or they treated magic as a commodity and they just bought and sold and made a profit and set their prices and just put in the effort to actually just, oh, just accumulate the collection, accumulate the, make sales, make connections, make, you know, build a network. And they parlayed that into like either the online store, like, um, I did an interview with, uh, <sighs> Peter Senegra, Peter Senegra, it was a while ago, but uh, he owns cardadvantage.ca. And like he originally was a backpack dealer with a couple of guys and they just kind of got together and started doing business, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I think it's, uh, there are two ways to do it. And I think doing it while you're doing it, while you're actually doing the work, I think it's a really uh, powerful way of actually getting started. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's, a lot of the guys in this industry start just like that. Man, I don't know. This is fun. Let me let me do this and see what happens, right? No. Um, and it's okay when you have a job, when you, um, you know, you, this is not your form. It is different. You're, you're not worrying about, like, where's my mortgage coming from? Where's uh, the formula for the kid coming from, right? But but if that's the case, because I've talked to a couple of people who's like, oh, I just got laid off and I thought, you know, I could just take my $10,000 in savings and, and, and start a business because I always wanted to run my own business. <laughs> I, oh, that's that's, those are the that's a huge risk. risk. Right. I'm like, man, that's that's a gamble. Um, you're going to put a lot of time and resources. Maybe you should be looking for a job right now, right, And yeah. versus doing this. So that business plan, doing it now, if it is while you're searching for a job or while you're working in a real job, and you just, if, for those people, that's, that's, uh, that's the people I would highly recommend would do it, right, before they go. Versus like, you're right, hey, I... I'm having fun with this. So I'm going to do it. And if it makes money, great. If it doesn't make money, I still have a roof over my head. I still have it in the pantry, right? Um, those are two totally different things. Um, yeah, it depends on the approach. Because if, like, uh, we went back to, to Peter, if what he did was not, oh, I'm going to sell cards at tournaments and I'm going to gradually build this thing 
up from nothing and just kind of hustle to uh, what like a lot of game stores will do, which is just like, I'm just going to put down the money and I'm going to get the space and I'm going to just get all the tables and we're just going to open up, you know, without it really any forethought or uh, research into what it takes. Yeah, like very different approaches to starting a business, right? One is kind of like you have the runway, right? I'm pretty sure Peter had a, had his own side job. He was probably working sure. at the time. You know, he wasn't reliant on making it, making this business work right off the bat because chances are it's not going to happen. You know, like every, almost every single business sales go whoosh, like that the first year, right? Like you go from very little and then you kind of gradually increase and then hopefully you hit that break even point after about a year or two. But mm-hmm. the odds of you being like, I'm going to open my doors and I'm going to be able to pay all my bills and pay myself and cover my rent and like do all this right off the bat is, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even, I don't even know what the odds of that are. Like 1%, maybe less. Like the, the chances of that happening are super, super slim. So if you're taking that leap and you have no, uh, no safety net, Right, like that's that's part of the 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 importance of the business plan is building in a runway. Right, you need to have like okay, so I put on all the money, I put in the fifty thousand dollars that I needed to open up a shop, and then I have the twenty five thousand set aside so that I can use that to uh, to get to my break even point and hopefully not crash and burn before then. If that's yeah. your your runway, but for somebody who's just kind of uh, doing this as a side hustle, that's the runway is their job. Like they've got their costs covered and they can kind of roll into that as they go. So that's kind of the idea. Yeah. And I don't know how it was for Wayne, but for me, when the business started, I was going to college and I was working full time at a big box store as, a, as an assistant store manager. So it, it, it was the least of my worry. We also, we split the rent in this little 300 square foot store with some friends of ours that were running a comic book store out of it. So our risks were very minimal. A business plan or not, that could have been an instant bailout right off the bat. You go, hey, this is not working you get out, you're done. Uh, on the other hand, if you look at like, you know, I'm going to rent a 5,000 square foot store, I'm going to sign a three-year lease, which nowadays you, it's the, probably the minimum they're going to sign you for, and you're tied into that, just the rent alone, it way exceeds your capacity with a decent job to pay it, right? I mean, there's no way. Um, so then you're looking at bankruptcy, trying to get out of this lease, you know, it's, a, again, what do you want out of it? Uh, and uh, Without a doubt, if you're if you're going to rent a place, some some places actually the landlord wants to see your business plan. Um, that's literally a, a hey, I'm going to give it to you, and then what? In six months, I got to kick you out. So um, yeah, and no landlord wants that to happen, right? Like they want they want well, a, a relationship that'll keep going. They don't want you to set up and fail. That would be terrible for them too. Well, it's bad for well them, and it's but, also for them. It's some, a lot of times they're putting in tenant improvements themselves, right? So they're looking yeah. to recoup those costs with your rent over a certain amount of time. Uh, if you bail in six months, it does them no good. Um, so, but um, yeah, um, but that's that's kind of like I don't think that we forget anything as far as we talked about putting in their um, competitive analysis. Do we talk about that? Looking at your competitors, but actually really looking at it. We have a tendency to kind of go. Yeah, we kind of skipped that. So, um, yeah, we did, we did talk about uh, the topic uh, in the business plan of looking at your competitors and stuff. But, um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get into the specifics of that. And um, I know what, what one thing that I looked at, being in a large metropolitan city, uh, 
so for me, uh, location, like that's, that's, that's a huge one. You gotta, you gotta see where your competitors are, how far away you are from them. Um, and, uh, for me, as I said, uh, uh, I wanted to be by a subway station. That was super important to be a subway station in a big city. So I just basically looked at places around subway stations that were far enough from other game shops that we wouldn't be in each other's neighborhood and uh, did a lot of research, looked at um, not just just competitors, but when you're looking at a location, uh, you also got to look at the, um, the numbers. I mean, you can go to any uh, public library, at least here in Canada, and you can look up what the statistics are in certain neighborhoods so you know how many people uh, that live in that area that are in your target market, for example. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't know about libraries here, but for people in the U.S., Chamber of Commerces are a huge resource. Sure. So, yeah, so. There's, there's resources. Um, so, yeah, location. Um, and, and even after doing a, that, that research, uh, <laughs> I still had uh, a game store owner swing by and go, you just opened up in my backyard, and he was kind of miffed about it, and I was like, really? Like, we're pretty far away. Like, What was, was his definition of backyard? Like three kilometers um, away? Four kilometers? I, gosh, I don't know exactly the kilometers. I could, I could say it's about, it, would, it would have been about a half hour, 20 minute, half hour walk at least. So it was a fair distance. Um, definitely so a different like neighborhood. Definitely different uh, neighborhood. Um, not on the subway, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and even, uh, even another game store uh, owner came by to check me out because he felt the, uh, the crunch he felt the, the the drop in sales after I opened, uh, and he was he was much further away, um, like uh, several uh, subway stops away, like maybe an hour walk. <laughs> um, but you know, when you when you secure a good location on a subway in a specific area of the city, I think that's just naturally gonna gonna help give you um, that customer base. Um, over someone who's who's opened up a shop who may have cheaper rent, but they're like off in some uh, street that's hard to get to. Um, it's you know, so uh, yeah, I guess I'm just talking about location here with competitors. Um, but I also and you got and okay, there's there's location, then there's events, event planning. Um, so, you know, I think all game stores should be running events. So uh, assuming game stores are all running events, you really have to look at what your competitors are doing, uh, what they're charging for their events or not charging, what kind of prizes they're giving away, um, what types of events, and what their event calendar looks like. And most places will have an event calendar on their website, so you can, and, and I, I very specifically looked at uh, what was happening with Magic in Toronto, and, uh, you know, the, the most popular place to go was, you know, they had uh, standard constructed on Thursdays, booster draft, F&M. So I did the opposite. I did booster draft on Thursday nights, and we've established ourselves as a Thursday night booster draft location in the West End in Toronto. It does very well. And then uh, in Friday Night Magic, standard constructed. We're now at the longest-running Friday Night Magic uh, standard event in Toronto, I believe, at this point. Um, so uh, location, events... Uh, what I don't recommend getting hung up on or looking at too closely is how they're pricing the product. Um, you got to look at, you got to know some of it. You got to understand some of it, but you can't worry too much about like 
how they're discounting things, how what they're pricing things at. You have to price things at what is going to make you survive. You got to do what's best for you. If you're always looking at your uh, your competitors and and thinking, oh, I got to price match them. Well, maybe they're making less off that product because they have this huge cash flow where they can buy a much higher quantity and their business model includes, you know, when a magic set comes out, they expect to sell a hundred or more boxes of the set. And when I, my magic set comes out for me, I, I plan to sell maybe a dozen. And my video is off. Can you still hear me though? Yeah, yeah I can still hear you. Okay, okay, and I think my video is back, but, and your video is gone, but, um, so I I, uh, I think uh, I think you need to be a little cautious about uh, looking too worrying too much about what your competitors are pricing things at and really focus on what margins you need to make and to qualify those margins. Like I'm not discounting my board games, um, so what do they get when they walk into my store if they don't get the lowest price? Well, they get uh, knowledgeable staff that are really friendly that are going to walk them through a whole bunch of different games, talk to them about different games that they like, try to find something that uh, fits with what they like to do. Uh, you know, so you just you just up your customer service because um, uh, you know at the discounter stores you're not going to get that kind of service. They just want you in and out and make that sale as fast as possible. And some customers prefer that; they just want the cheapest price and. And want to go in and out, and other customers they want that connection, they want the feel, that feeling of community, they want to like chat it up, they want to, you know, pick your mind, and um, you know, it's, you give them that time of day. Well, then they're paying for that uh, extra service by paying regular price for a board game, which even a regular price isn't a huge markup. So I guess that's uh, those are the three things I'd like to touch on. Yeah, and that that brings up another important point of the business plan. It's uh you know, what's known as the, the USP, the unique selling proposition, what sets you apart, right? And like that's uh, something that we went over with the uh, the summary, essentially. It's kind of, it's probably one of the most important things about what makes you different and what, what will uh, help you succeed, right? Like if you're just like everybody else, you're just going to fade into the background and, you know, what's going to... Mm-hmm. What will get people to come to you as opposed to the, the store that's maybe a kilometer away or right. and that's, a mile away? That's definitely where some people make some really potentially, I mean, in general, again, the biggest mistake is you can do better just because you think that this guy is, isn't listening to his customers or isn't, but you know, if they, they've been around and you see their store and it's got customers in it, it's also very difficult sometimes people make assumptions, you know, you can walk into the store and it looks dead, but that guy rung up $10,000 at that register. People came in, bought stuff and left, right? Or he's hopping with customers, it's packed, but they're all there for the free magic tournament and they're absolutely buying maybe sodas and that's it. So it, it's easy to get a skewed perspective on this and you got to be very careful when you, when you estimate your competitors, but Wayne kind of rolled in a whole bunch of stuff into one, not sorry, into one, but you're touching on several different points, which all are important for the business part, right? That competitive analysis is important and you that's hard to be, but you have to be objective with that. Find out why are they still in business? Why do you think they're still running even though it looks like they shouldn't, right? What's their unique business proposition? Um, which is, again, another piece of the marketing plan, um, the business plan. Um, absolutely essential if you're seeking out a loan that that investor, those those bankers want to know what makes you different, 
very important if you're just doing it for yourself because if you can't come up with a reason why they should be in your place, and it's not because you're going to give free FNM, I'm sorry. It's got to be something that makes you money, not something yeah. like, I'm going to discount. You know, People come to me, okay, great. So I'm going to match your discount and now I'm going to throw in ice cream. And the guy next door is going to throw in ice cream on a waffle cone. You know, I mean, there's always something that you can compete on on price, but it's not the way to do it. It's absolutely the worst possible way to do it because you're attracting also the wrong kind of clientele. Uh, I got news for you. If you're looking at just price, the Internet can do it better than you can. You can afford to run out of a garage and sell stuff at dirt cheap. And well, you're just not going to beat Amazon. Yeah. You're just well, not. let's just say you're, you're, you know what, I, I'm an IT tech, I make $70,000 a year, and I don't care if I lose money on selling stuff online, because all I'm trying to do is get my toys for less, you know what I mean? So, uh, it is, you win your customers for reasons other than pricing. Pricing, I mean, don't get me wrong, it is important to a certain degree, right, but uh, you don't want to jack every customer that comes to your store with like 10 times the retail or anything like that. There's a fair price, stick to it. Um, but... That's part of the, your, your operations plan, the events that he was talking about, and sort of your, your marketing, right? That's, that's how do you position yourself to be unique or at the very least different enough from everybody else that's in town and, and offering essentially the same goods you are. And, and Wayne touched on it. It's the experience, right? What's the experience when it comes into your store? That needs to go into that business plan. That's important to put it on paper, for, well, at least visualize it for you, the owner, the guy that goes, okay, I'm going to put money into this, how do I get it back? Or the, the investor that goes, again, I'm going to give you money, how do I get it back? Yeah, mm -hmm. and then it's also important for uh, for the long-term plan, for the long-term vision of what your business is going to be, right? Because like, part of what makes you unique is I'm going to create a really great experience and that's why people are going to come to me, but you kind of like want to articulate what the experience is going to be like, right? What's what kind of customer service? What does it mean for you to like sit down with somebody and teach them how to play magic and build that customer into somebody who's going to come back over and over again, not just be like, we're going to be really good at it. You know, we're going to be like really great customer service. Like that's a very nebulous term. It doesn't mean like anything specific. So really uh, like picking apart what it means and what you're going to be doing. And then also like, how is that going to pan out for five years from now? Yeah. And ideally, if you're going to go through the through the work of writing a business plan, you want to write it so that somebody else could pick it up and maybe not like, oh, I'm going to, this is my, you don't want to give it to somebody and then they're going to turn it into a store of their own, but you'll be able to give it to your manager and be like, okay, this is what we're all about. Like, you know, the business plan can also be kind of like an SOP handbook for your, your employees too. It's a... Uh, the ability to be like, okay, so this is what we're doing, guys. You know, give it to your manager, give it to your uh, your team, and they can take that and then extend your vision and maybe add to it in ways that you didn't expect when you were just on your own. Yeah, well, that's at that point that your employees can really contribute in a really yeah. positive way once they understand the direction you want to go. Absolutely, that's super important. Exactly. Uh, you know, the bottom line, the takeaway from all this is it's all planning. I mean, we call it a business plan and there's a template, but... The more planning you do, uh, the better off you're going to be. And I know, like, when I had the idea to start the shop, um, you know, I, it was a couple years before I opened. And uh, I wasn't even taking notes at first. I was just thinking and thinking and thinking about it. Uh, and then, you know, you start taking some notes. And then you start, um, you know, moving towards it slowly um, until you're, you're ready to just go for it. 
Um, but you, you just, you can't do enough planning. I mean, I'm, I guess you could do too much planning. <laughs> you just, you well, know, at some point you have to stop and start doing. Yeah. You have yeah, to execute at some point. A, well, also because you're not tasting, you're not testing your, your plan, right? You, yeah. you have to test your plan. And that's unfortunately kind of like where mistakes are revealed, but yeah. then you adapt and you revise and you fix it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the, of the, the saying, I think it was like, Patton or something like that, but like uh, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Yes, that's. Uh, I think it was Patton. It's something like that. Uh, but yeah, like right. you know, the plan's great. Yeah. Doing the plan, the actual act of creating a plan is very valuable. The plan itself may not pan out at all. Like you could be completely wrong with all your forecasts, all your numbers, all your research could be completely wrong. You know, you like uh, John said, you could be expecting a hundred thousand dollars in sales, and you could get way less. You can get way more. You could you don't know until you really get started and, and see where things are going and start adjusting. So there's a point where the rubber meets the road and you have to kind of, you know, plan, plan, plan. Okay, let's do it. And then adjust as we go along. Right. But the act of doing it is a, I would say vital. Like you should, there's no, you don't just jump into this thing. Like any business, don't just jump in. Don't do what I did. Anybody got anything else? Like, I think we did pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good coverage on the whole idea. I don't think we missed anything. And like always, if anybody listening has any questions, Thomas is easy to get a hold of. We're on Facebook, you know. I mean, uh, just just ask, and we'll gladly we can follow up in the next episode with any specific question that we did not address in this one. So. Yeah, absolutely. And on that point, Thomas, has there uh, been any comments on any previous podcasts? That uh, questions or something that people were wanted clarifications on or anything like that. Uh, nothing yet, nothing yet. But okay. uh, the last, like, uh, you guys probably realize the last like three weeks have been uh, almost like me just like gone offline. Yeah, no, you're and everything. It's yeah. been a very busy, busy few weeks getting sure, everything uns- unpacked and unsettled a lot. I don't know if your readers even know that you've moved. Obviously, the background is different, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, no no one knows. But they'll know now. They'll <laughs> they'll know for this episode. And and I might be really crazy for a little bit here coming up pretty soon as we move to the new store. But yeah. hopefully when we do yeah. I'll have the studio set up and my background will look a little bit better than just a plain white wall over here. <laughs> cool. I uh, look forward to seeing what you got once it's done. How long do you think it's gonna take? Uh, we don't know. We're the, they, most of the studs, most of the drywall is gone uh, Most for the interior walls. Most of the studs are gone. There's still some work to be done. They ripped up the carpet, so now we're waiting on three different contractors to give us bids on the floor. We're hoping the end of the month, beginning of next month. You know, We'll see what happens. So I'm, Once I move in, you guys will know for sure, and I will too at that point. <laughs> so. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Really appreciate yep. it. You know, I think we, uh, I think we covered the business plan pretty sufficiently. Hopefully, some uh, some listeners got some nuggets of wisdom out of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, okay, and thanks for watching, guys. Whoever whoever's out there in the internet land. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Tom, for having us uh, once again, and looking forward to the next one. And yeah, any viewers out there, listeners, want uh, to know anything specifically about running a game store? Um, fire some questions away uh, either in the comments or contact uh, I think Thomas would be the pers- best person to contact since he, since he runs the show but uh, yeah we're looking for topics so shoot away let us know what you want to talk about yeah if you guys want to contact me it's uh, Tom at com. and uh, if people want to find you guys what do you, where, where, where should they go like 
you know, plug your Probably Twitter, plug your Facebook. Well, if, if you get on the website, shopofmagic.com, there's a contact form there. The, the employees will forward it to me. Uh, otherwise, Facebook, just search for John Coviello, or if you find Shop of Magic, which is a store page, I will also be able to contact you there. So um, Twitter works, too. I think it's Shop of Magic at Twitter. Too. So. Yeah, and uh, my website has a contact form as well. The email is info at dueling-grounds.com. Uh, you can also message us through our Dueling Grounds uh, Facebook page. It's probably the easiest, fastest way to get a hold of me. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Perfect. All right. Well, All right. thanks for coming Sounds on, guys. Great. We will talk to you again soon. All right. Bye, thank guys. you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I want to thank John Coviello and Wayne Middlestead for coming on the show again and uh, sharing their insights with us. And if you like this episode and you like what we're doing here at the Maniverse Podcast, I encourage you to become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. And it would be great if you uh, also like the show to uh, not keep us a secret. Tell your friends, share us, like us on social media and Facebook and all that fun stuff. And uh, if it would be also super sweet if you would subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, whatever you like to listen to us on. If you want more content, more episodes of the podcast, you can go to maniversesaga.com. And as a final note, I want to ask you a question. And the question is, how much time did you put into your business plan? And how did it help you get your store off the ground? Let us know in the comments down below. And uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it here and sign off. So, as always, I want to thank you for listening, and if you check this out on YouTube, I want to thank you for watching, and I will see you on the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast. Bye, guys.